This season of The 80 is kindly brought to you in association with artisan food producers Moorish. Moorish uses only the best ingredients to create their deliciously different dips. Using traditional methods and adding a unique smoked twist, their products are indeed incredibly Moorish. From the original smoky hummus to zingy lemon and dill smoked hummus, Moorish's creations will delight your taste buds. Our personal favourite in the About Time office is the new Moorish pea hummus, which is exclusive to Sainsbury's. With a delicious pea flavour and 15 grams of protein per pot, it's our ideal indulgent afternoon snack. If you're in the mood for something with a kick, their smoked hummus with chilli harissa is fiery and delicious. Or try their garlic and Sicilian lemon aioli, which is gloriously creamy with a zing of fresh lemon. Available in all good supermarkets, including Sainsbury's, Waitrose, Ocado and Booth's, why not stock up on some Moorish today? Thank you to our sponsors, Moorish. Looking at the best things to do in London and beyond? From food to fitness, bars to going out, this is the AT, the About Time Podcast. Hello and welcome back to the AT. Hello. <laughs> We're back this week. Um, what are we talking about this week, Alicia? We're talking about dating, which always I think is a really good subject. It's a very hot subject, isn't it? Well, I just told Alicia just before the show started that it's cuffing season, which she didn't know about. But cuffing, according to Urban Dictionary, is when basically you couple up for winter because it's cold outside and people don't want to be outdoors as much. So you kind of couple up. So it's like you just want to be in a relationship, basically. For the winter months. For the winter months. Is there like an opposite when it comes to summer, like shredding? (laughs) Just get rid of the unnecessary layers in your life. Anyway, as it's cuffing season, we thought it'd be a good time to talk about dating. Yeah, because I think that, you know, when you when people want to do festive things together, don't they? Yeah, it was quite funny because a few weeks ago, when it kind of transitioned into winter and it was quite cold in London, my boyfriend and I were like, what do we do in winter? Because it was like four o'clock and it was dark out and we couldn't actually remember how we do winter. Yeah. And then we remembered that we make stews and watch like box sets. Uh, so we're okay now. But, but winter activities, we were a bit struggling for a while. No one wants to go to an ice cream by themselves. <laughs> no, I did actually see that one was on Groupon last night. That's what happens when you have jet lag. <laughs> 3 a.m. My mum loves Groupon. She bought a halogen uh, oven from there the other day. She absolutely loves it. It'll be on eBay in about a week. <laughs> so what do, you, what do you want to tell me about dating in London right now? I've got some great stats, actually, that are quite funny. Well, not funny, but I'm a bit like, why? Because, so these are, these are stats from um, dating platform Plenty of Fish. Mm-hmm. Poff, as it's known on the... Uh, on the inside track. Yeah. I, I mean, I haven't used Plenty of Fish, so I can't speak. But I don't know what it's like. Mm. Is it a website? Uh, I think it's a website, yeah. Lovely website. So they say that 42... With all the people they've surveyed, mm-hmm. 42% of Londoners voted McDonald's to be the worst date, worst place for a first date. I'm not being funny, but if someone is saying... Is someone saying, I'm going to buy you a chicken nug meal... The warning signs for your first date, the warning signs are clearly there. I think it's okay if your first date is not related to McDonald's, but then you, like you go to the theatre or you go to the cinema and then happen drunkenly at 3am to end up yes. at McDonald's. But there's something about the, the plan to go to McDonald's. Yeah, never that, plan a McDonald's. No. I once went on, the, went on a first date to Nando's and it had absolutely no atmosphere. So I think, oh yeah, I think anything kind of fast foody. I have just gone on plentyoffish.com and I must say the website looks like it's from like the 80s. But, um, yeah. Anyway, more on their stats. <laughs> Lovely. Um, so, 38% of Londoners apparently would change their mind about going on a date if they didn't like the venue slash location suggested. 
I suppose the place. Why don't you just change it? But like, oh, maybe not this place. Maybe mm. I've got an alternative place. But actually, completely cancelling on someone if they suggested somewhere. That's what I, I surprised me. But I suppose that's what it's become, hasn't it? It's, everything's so disposable. Like seeing people dating people because of apps. You'd be like, oh, I'm just going to sack that off because he chose X restaurant. I mean, my mm. other half has terrible taste in restaurants. Like, if it was up to him, we'd just always be in kind of dodgy Persian eateries. But I just think to sack it off, you know, you could be like, well, actually, that is that a bit That could be crappy. a Mr. Right. You'll never know. Apparently, London has voted laughter as the number one sign of a good day, coming in at 61%, followed by good conversation coming in at 59 and then having a connection at 57 Hmm. Okay. It's so basically like laughing, but you don't need to have that good chat. Just stay a comedian, basically. But I think good com- you know if you've got a good conversation with someone. Yeah. Yeah, I suppose so. Have you ever had really bad dates where yeah, you've like very... Obviously, and you're just, and then you become sick of hearing your own voice. Mm. Also, if you're the one always asking questions. Oh, it pisses me off. Yeah. It's a bit like, can you give me anything? Something? Just some kind of, some kind of feedback would be great. So I, I think, um, a good conversation starter is to do something fun with someone. So rather than just like going to a restaurant, do like an activity or something of an experience. Yes. I, I think that now we've come to the point in, in dating, um, that maybe going for a drink is a bit like meh. Yeah. There's so much like other fun shit to do in London that it, sometimes going for a drink starts to feel a bit stagnant. Yeah, definitely. Although I guess it can also go the other way that if you only do fun things together, you might actually not have very good chat. It's like going to, going to the cinema on a date. Why do people go to the cinema on the date? It's, it's a weird date, I think. It's an okay date if you've been going out a while, but like for a first or second date, you're like, you're not talking. It's just awkward. You're sat in a dark room <laughs> for like two hours and you can't speak to each other. <laughs> Are we missing it? Do people, I mean, yeah. I don't know. I feel like going to the cinema was what you did when you were underage and you couldn't go for a drink. Yes. It would bring it And up. also the cinema is not cheap now. No, it is not. Um, what else do these people say? They said 59.3% precise of Londoners said it's never too early to message someone after a first date. Don't agree with that. I actually don't agree with that. I really don't agree with that. I think you've got to keep the mystery there. But not for too, like, not like... What's like a reasonable amount of time? A day. Mm, interesting. I'd go like two. My friend said three. Wow. Three's is, long. Three's quite long. It depend. it can, it, it only works if you really fancy the person. Whereas if someone doesn't text you for three dates and you've had a bit of a lukewarm date, you're like, I literally forgotten about you. Yeah, but if you yeah. had like a really good date, then fine, play it a bit yeah. cool. Yeah. Like when we first started going out, we had a great first meeting. Like we met by chance in a bar and then he didn't message me for three days. And by day three, I was like going out my mind. So I was thinking about him so much. But how we've not had that initial connection, I would have been like, oh, who's that? Like, that's the thing. Do you even tell that spark? It's a dangerous game, but I do think it reels you in a bit more. I think there, say like you went on a date with someone and then by the time you got to the tube platform that texted you, you'd be a bit like, woof, yeah. steady on. Do you expect the guy to text first? Yes. Mm, of course you do. Would you, ever, te- would, you ever, yeah. would you ever text a guy first? Uh, no. Really? That's good. I mean, and that's, that's just Steely me. Steely Grimshaw. Yeah, but also, I'm at that, I kind of think to myself, even if I like the guy and he doesn't text me, I'm like, meh, okay. <laughs> on to the I next don't one. know, I'm just... I'm Plenty just, of fish. <laughs> get, get me on puff. Um, and then 40% of all London surveyed had been on a dating app. 
Yeah, it doesn't surprise me. I suppose it's not more than that. I think it's more. Yeah, everyone's lying about that, aren't they? Apps are the apps are, I mean. I wonder if things like Match.com count as an app. Mm. Or maybe it's maybe it's just stuff on the phone. It's it, Match.com's adverts make me cringe a little bit. Yeah, they are a bit much. It's always like, uh, yeah, he People... loves me for my freckles. <laughs> Or like someone with like a little bit of like flour on their nose, they're in like a cookery class together yeah, and baking um, bread. Oh god. Actually we're talking about baking bread as an, an idea later. Oh fun. So yeah, on the topic of, of ideas for dating, if you were like l- new to London and wanted to go out dating, what do you think is a fun thing to do? Where should people go? Okay, so people say that going to eat on a first date is quite bold. And I do agree that it sometimes it can be perceived as being bold. I don't know why. I think just go with the flow. It's because it's longer. Like, you're yes. on a rubbish date and you're committing to, like, a three-course meal and wine. You know? Yeah. So maybe a drink is safe No territory. starter, no starter. <laughs> yeah. Okay for dessert, thank you. Um, so it's safe territory if you just yes. have a drink. But also, I think if you have a drink with someone and then you're like, actually, this is going quite well, then you can move on to dinner on the first date, maybe. mm you know, like, I think it's good to have options. Yeah, I agree. Um, but there's a lot of great date restaurants, like Aquavit, really good Nordic cuisine. Mm. It's kind of that restaurant where it's not too p- uh, posh, stuffy, pretentious. It's quite laid back, clean interiors, really nice cuisine. Is Nordic. it expensive? Because I always think with the first, second, kind of early days date, you don't really know someone else's budget that well. Yeah, and also you, can, you don't want to invest too much. No, you don't want to invest, yeah, it's true, emotionally or <laughs> find that fiscally. Um, so, yeah, I think you don't know someone else's budget and not always presuming a guy's going to pay. Like I agree. It can look quite bad on you if you pick somewhere super expensive. I um, That's why I, for a kind of a cash first date, if you're eating, I think street food's a really good idea. You know, like the places like Dinorama, Pop Brixton, mm. Pergola, because it's kind of, you can sit down, there's bars, it, it, there's a good atmosphere. It's casual. It's very casual. Yeah. But also quite bold, because like, I'm really indecisive with food. And if I was on a date, I'd be like running around trying to choose what to have. Like, it's, it can the street food can be a little bit on the stressful side and there's like queues and stuff but like that but then it's like oh do you want to share this do you want to share this I think it could open up some doors <laughs> some windows of sharing opportunity if you like sharing I don't know if I like sharing food you don't, yeah, I don't know if I like sharing food not with people I don't know not with strangers from the internet <laughs> oh I'll have that little bite you can have that little bit <laughs> strangers from the internet yeah. strangers from the apps well my favourite place which I bang on about the whole time is 2850 in Marlebone and I like it because it is quite pricey, but you can opt in to how much you want to spend because it's a wine bar. So you could have what you could have a glass of wine and a little bit of cheese, or you can have like a full like twenty quid main. So I quite like that because you don't have to spend a lot, and you can you know you can assess the vibe. Nice nibbles. Yeah, exactly. It got nice truffle popcorn. Yeah, I do agree. I think maybe drinks and nibbles. Mm, yes, but substantial nibbles. I'm not talking about your toasted almonds. Yeah, you know. How do you, do, do you think early days dates always have to be? out somewhere like would you ever go round to someone's place for like a drink like what on the first date or like second date I mean that's kind of <laughs> that's kind of saying I want to come around I've been out of the game a long time that, that's a bit that's a bit um bit forward um we're gonna get hot and heavy <laughs> isn't it really I was just thinking like last you're not gonna go around and like watch deal or no deal are you <laughs> let's be honest <laughs> third date fourth date yeah, third. But then, do you know what? Then I think with dating, 
And, you know, it, with dating and the apps and everything, people think there's a right way, like, oh, we can't, like, go around to each other's house on, like, a second date because maybe it's too full, we can't go around on the mm. first date. And I'm like, do you know what? What feels right? If you want to cook a man a casserole on the second date, cook a man a casserole, or vice versa. A if casserole? a man wants to cook a... I don't what know. Am I Fanny Craddock? <laughs> um, but if, you know, if you want to host a dinner or they want to host a dinner, then... I, and it feels right, then just go for it. Exactly. I feel like we are... We confine ourselves, we shackle ourselves, we cuff ourselves. <laughs> just, Mama just wants to make a casserole for a man yeah it also doesn't never help. made a castle <laughs> it doesn't help with london rentals that everyone's in a flat share so even like the idea of like you know making a nice dinner and then you've just got like your flatmate coming in in his underwear like it, it's hard to kind of create the romance yes in the that's same always way. what i think about on dinner day you know have you seen dinner day <laughs> when they when they clearly live in a flat share i bet they're like guys everyone needs to be out because yeah everyone's gonna stay in their rooms all night because i got a dinner date and if you don't want to go for a drink or eat, there are plenty of other options. Um, I think activity bars are a good date. Where you, where, where you do something together. Yeah. I mean, I think, you know, going to play ping pong can be quite tedious after it. Mm. 10 minutes. There's only so much ping pong you want to play. Yeah, I do agree. I think it's like with a lot of these things, you play it for... 20 minutes? Yeah, and then I'm like, I'm done. The only solution is to get really pissed. Then it gets more fun, so it gets harder. Yes, that is true. Um, so what kind of activity bars do you like? Swingers for crazy golf. I like that. But again, it's one of those things that the golf can take about half an hour and then you're done. So it's good to break up because it does have food there. It does have drinks. It's got mm. loads of bars. So I would, it's more of a destination. Yeah, yeah. Bit of everything. Flight club's good if you want to play darts. Flight club's very fun. And I've got good pizza. Have you been to uh, Queen's Skateball and Dine? Yes, in West London. It's, I mean, Queen's Skateball and Dine. That's what you can do there. You can skate, you can go ice skating, you can bowl and you can eat. I don't know how I feel about ice skating on a first, on a day. I actually just hate ice skating. I have a real fear of it because I, I once, there's a horrible story, but I once went to an ice skating rink and there was blood all over it and basically someone had fallen over and skated over someone's ear. What? Yeah. Yeah, I know. Weird angle, right? And honestly, ever since I just can't, can't go ice skating and I keep getting all these press releases and they make me feel very uncomfortable. I actually went to Somerset House last year and the ice skating rink was so busy I thought it was on the gridlock on the M25. <laughs> it was I couldn't even move. I couldn't even ice skate. It's not even ice skating, it's just like yeah, and I was just, Yeah, and do you know what? I don't want to big myself up, but I used to be quite regular down at uh, Grimsby ice skating rink when I was younger. And I used to be like quite a good ice skater. I mean, I say good, I skated without holding on to the sides. I think that's good. Yeah. And you know, I, I could go around a corner. I got onto the Somerset house and I just froze. I couldn't, it was just too... It goes, it was, it's a skill that goes. Yeah, it's a skill that, it's not like riding a bike, ice skating does go. Um, what about like other activity things? I mean, master classes are quite good. Right, what kind of stuff? You know, you can make donuts at Breadahead Bakery. Mm, that's fun. You can learn about mezcal at a bar in Haggerston. Can't say the name, so I'm going to pass that over. Or alternatively... You can go to a taxi- taxidermy workshop in Crouch End. Oh my god! And they say romance is dead. Being like a little rat playing a harp. <laughs> and there's loads of bars as well. I wouldn't say like first or second day. I'm not sure. That, I don't. I wouldn't lead with the taxidermy. No, you know, if some, if in the first date they're like, oh, I really like taxidermy, but I, if a guy took you to a taxidermy masterclass, how would you feel? Would you be into it? No. Yeah. Okay. So maybe no one should take our advice. 
Yeah, don't don't take advice. Make donuts though. That's cute. Yeah, donuts are nice, and then you can eat them afterwards, like picnic in the park. <laughs> Amazing. So coming up next on the show, we've got some fantastic dating and relationship experts who are going to be chatting to us about dating in the 21st century and the future of dating and how to have a happy, healthy relationship. Join us. This is the AT, the About Time podcast. So we're back with our guests this week. We are joined by Sheila McIntosh-Stewart. Thank you for joining us. And Kate Mansfield. Hi. Hi, thank you for joining us, guys. Um, could you tell us a little bit about yourself, Sheila? Um, you're a, a matrimonial consultant, relationship guru. Can you tell us a bit about the work that you do? Okay. Um, I'll, st- I'll start with saying that actually I'm a, I'm a family lawyer, um, and I'm a family lawyer with a bit of a twist because um, I decided some time ago, practicing family law, that actually I had a lot to say about broken relationships. And so I started to veer into into coaching and helping a lot of people with, um, you know, getting their relationships back on track when their relationships were broken. So that's why I'm now called a relationship coach as well, or as you say, relationship guru. Um, but uh, my mainstay is I am a family lawyer. Mm. It's an interesting route into. Yes. I into think the I always have a family lawyer with a twist. I think I'm the only one of a kind doing this. Yeah. So I can give you the sort of whole background on sort of breakup, and sort of advise you on that. But I can also give you a sort of insight into how people got there as well. Mm. You know, having seen very real life stories. Of very it. interesting. And Kate, what about you? So, yeah, slightly similar, although I'm not a lawyer, but um, I started out, I trained as a couples therapist, um, and I worked with Relate, um, first of all, and then I trained as a coach, and uh, I now work as a dating coach with single women. So, similar in the sense that I started off dealing with breakups, which I think is a fantastic insight into a hundred million reasons why relationships don't work gives you a great ability to help people avoid repeating those mistakes, particularly women. So, um so yeah, so that's me. Fantastic. So we were chatting, Alyssa and I, early in the show about how the dating landscape has changed in recent years because of apps and technology. And we were looking at some stats about how many people are using dating apps now. Um, from the work that you both do, what changes have you seen in the way that people are dating and, and the relationships they're having because of technology and because of kind of the modern way of dating? So, yeah, I mean, I guess, yeah, it's a completely different landscape today from 10 years ago. God, I'm just trying to think 10 years ago. Um, it's before smartphones even, isn't it, I suppose? Um, yeah, I mean, I wasn't actually doing this work 10 years ago, but I think that, um, yeah, there's been an explosion of much more short-lived relationships. I think dating generally has become much more challenging, particularly for women. I think that often um, men have the upper hand and have more of the power on dating apps women find that really difficult to manage and Mm. I think that just not just in the dating world but I think attention spans have just reduced hugely and so that's one of the biggest challenges with apps and with technology I think um, kind of getting the attention of someone but I do think with with technology it's brought about this kind of idea of choice as well Mm. where you can you can speak to people and then I mean you can speak to numerous people at, at one time and then if you go on kind of a a semi-okay day, you know in within the next 24 hours you can be going on another day. Mm. It's kind of like that always grass is always greener. It's, the, it's that element of disposability that you can replace one person with another and it's the cycle which perhaps wasn't available to you before apps and websites where you just find other people like that. So true. I mean, you're absolutely right about being a disposable society. So I think how it's changed, I think, is in the sort of 10 years you know, ago, we were more reliant on family 
we were more reliant on friends um, to sort of make the introductions. And we tended to mix with our own kind, you know, our own professional, social, sort of like-minded kind. But the, the whole sort of internet has has opened that all up. So now we, we date, you know, all people from all walks of life, you know, mm-hmm. different race, culture, religion. And so you see an increase in interracial marriages as well. Mm-hmm. Um, that definitely has exploded, you know, in, in lots of ways. Your, your point about availability is so right in choice. But it, so it's, it's wonderful that we've opened up this whole vista of choice and availability. But the drawback is with choice and availability comes... Um, difficulty choosing. You know, people always think, oh my God, there's so much choice. Maybe there's somebody better around the corner. There's always that sort of feeling, you know, uh, you don't, you want, you don't want to settle for this because there may be somebody around the corner. So, mm-hmm. you know, so the whole disposable society. Buyer's remorse. Yeah. You know, the whole sort of whole, this, that whole thing sort of comes in. And so it changes our whole landscape. I also, I also think that, you know, women's empowerment has also affected how we've dated, you know. In the olden days, you know, you had to, you, you very much were, deter, you know, it was determined that you would be marrying, you know, within a certain social circle. Now, all that sort of opened up and women had the say and says, we want to do this. Don't clip our wings, you know. So that's also changed the whole mm. sort of dating uh, landscape as well. Do you, do you think that women are more empowered now when it comes to dating? I think they are and they aren't. I mean, it's interesting. A lot of the issues that women come to me with is that they're in a lot of masculine energy and... So there's the plus side of empowerment, which is that women are much more financially independent. They, they therefore have greater choice. Mm. They're not so constricted by being stuck at home with the kids, stuff like that. So that's a positive thing, but also it has um, affected, I think, the way that men and women connect. So one of the things I help women to do actually is to understand how to shift back into their feminine energy while they're actually dating, because lots of women nowadays have to be in that kind of masculine energy to work and to do everything they need to do in a day um Mm. but that doesn't translate very well into their dating lives particularly high-flying entrepreneurial type of women or women who like right at the top of their careers often they'll put dating to the side until it's too late or they're in a panic and that can then affect their confidence and Mm. so then they're dating from a place of disempowerment even though they're more empowered sort of socially economically in romance they're not yeah that's really interesting Mm. but what is progression at work might actually be like slightly yeah. more detrimental when it comes to to dating and relationships. Mm. Yeah, so it can be. So true. Yeah. And there's also the time constraint as well, where as you say, a lot of mm. these very high powered ladies, you know, romance is not on the top of their of their of their priorities. You know, they're time constrained. There's work pressures. You know, all that sort of stuff. So they push it to the back, and and then as you quite rightly say, you know, they tend to marry. They tend to sort of think about romance much later, you know, in their sort of 30s, mm. where the pool starts to get smaller. Mm. And so they start to get a little bit more desperate because, you know, all the good ones have gone, so to speak. And so, you know, they, they slowly start to feel like I know a lot of a lot of people who in their sort of early 40s, late 40s, who just haven't been able to find the right person really because yeah. they just they've been so busy, busy working too late. Uh, and they've been so busy working and Alicia's yeah. sitting there like yeah it's tinder so <laughs> <laughs> after this but do, like, what do you think overall women's attitudes to, to dating has changed uh, women's attitude to dating uh, of course they've changed you know in the olden days as I said you know we used to think of men as being the sole provider you know um, we get married have babies but now you think I can have it all. Mm. You know, I don't. I don't need to just have babies and, and stay at home. I can go to work and do my own thing, and you know, as you say, be financially independent. So the whole sort of whole concept of marriage has also changed as a result. Um, 
which I think is good. But you know, as you say, when it comes to you know finding the one, sometimes that makes it more difficult because sometimes women also have this sort of idea that they can have it all and they set impossibly high standards. I mean, you, you you'll see this. You know, say so they, they have this impossibly high standards. As a result, you know, some of these chaps just can never meet it. Mm. You know, so they they price themselves out of the market a little bit. Mm. Yeah, I, I suppose also to find the one and to find someone you're really compatible with you have to put yourself out there more and if you're actually just not going on a lot of dates exactly. you're, you're shutting yourself off socially you're just your chances of meeting someone are, are a lot fewer yeah um on the on the other side of things once you have got entered into a relationship and you're with someone what are some of the common problems that you see with marriages and, and marriages breaking down um well i think Expectations, and we were speaking about this, weren't we, before the show? Expect- unrealistic expectations is a big thing. I think, again, with the whole online sort of world that people are now, there's that strange boundary between what's real and what isn't. So I think lots of people go into a lot of fantasy. They have fantasy, very fantasy-based relationships online where you can kind of, you know, everyone's airbrushed, there's filters on everything. So you kind of get used to this level of perfection. And then you've suddenly got a real person, right, a human being in front of you, and you've got to actually have a real relationship, be intimate, be real. Um, And lots of people find that very difficult to manage, I think. So expectations is a big one. And I think also... um, you know, again, this kind of conveyor belt of people, the grass is greener, that thing can kick in. I think um, people get through the honeymoon phase and then, you know, that wears off mm. and they get bored. You know, they want to move on. Yeah. Mm. Also, just being in a long-term relationship, you can start to think, would my life be funner if I was out dating yeah. again or having experiences? And you forget what the, like, the lonely Saturday nights felt like when you're single and sometimes what weekends can feel like, you kind of forget those things when you're in a long-term relationship and you think, oh, it'll be fun to just be single again. Mm. So there's, never, there's never a winning. There's nothing. There's no right solution, I think. I mean, the, the bottom line is nobody has taught us how to love, but nobody has taught us how to be in relationships, you know. Mm. From the moment we are born, we, are, we receive love from our parents. We, uh, we don't know how to give love. So sometimes we need, you know, in a relationship, we need to be able to learn to give love. So we talk about, uh, you know, the, the love languages in, in relationships, for example. You have to learn to love your partner the way they want to be loved, not how you want to be loved. So that's a whole thing about sort of the love languages. But also, you're right. It's the whole point about um, there's so much in, in this consumeristic society. It's all about me, my needs, what do I want? You mm. know, and, and as a couple, it's not just about you anymore. It's an us-dom. It's not a you-dom anymore. Mm. So it's how you share, how you communicate how you um, talk to one, how you love each other. I always talk about being a love in action, you know, which is so important. How do you find ways of making sure that you communicate how you want to be loved and you love him or her in in that way? So Mm. there are lots of things that, you know, when I talk about being relationship smarter, we, we, we don't learn at school. We learn, you know, by trial and error. And if we're lucky, we, we make it. If we're not lucky, we get divorced and they come and see me, you know. So, yeah, you know, it's a shame. I, I, I would rather they made it. I rather most of my of the people in the world and the society made it, and I was out of business. Mm. I would rather that yeah. because the the sort of fallout of breakup and uh, family break is just horrific. Mm. Horrific. Well, you're tearing apart a family unit. It's a exactly. huge. It's a huge decision to make. Yeah. Just to add to that, I think that's great, and I, um, I think that. The other thing, the other issue is that people don't spend nearly enough time and put enough care and thought into relationship. 
people rush, they jump in, they become sexual, they become physical too quickly. They don't, um, they, everything's based on physical attraction and how it feels in the beginning. Yeah. And as I was saying to you again before, I think that, you know, if you think about buying a house or making a huge purchase of something, a house, for example, you may spend a whole year, you may look at a hundred houses, you get a survey done, you employ loads of people to help you yeah, to make so the right sure. decision because it's a huge commitment. With relationships, it's like people end up it, yeah. having a one-night stand, yeah. having a family, getting married, <laughs> and they wake Crazy. up after four years and wonder why it hasn't worked yeah. out because they don't actually know the person. They haven't even had those basic conversations yeah. about, do we want the same things? Do we have shared values and interests? Are we compatible? Are Apart we friends? from sexually, yeah. are we friends? Exactly. Yeah. And laying that foundation is really, really important. And so I think that you know a way around that and as as you said earlier you know we're not taught this stuff in schools which i think is terrible i mean i think most people just don't have those basic skills um and the trial and error is extremely expensive unfortunately Definitely. Absolutely. Especially if, if you're jumping into it a little bit later in life because you're sort of panicking. Yes. And then, and then just want to. I, I agree. I think sex kind of compu- complicates, complicates the whole yeah. But that's, thing. I feel like now, if people don't feel like a spark or something right away, yeah, then the they chemistry. Yeah, yeah, then they're like, well, we didn't feel a spark. Yeah. So that's it. And yeah. Kind of. But there's just the a very superficial level of love. Yeah. Yeah. Love exactly. They can more. go on. Yeah. You can't survive on spark alone. Yeah. Agree. <laughs> you need the spark at the beginning. Yeah, you need like something. But I yeah. feel like people can throw. throw. My mum always said, you know, with your dad, I didn't know if I liked him when I first met him, <laughs> and you let it grow. And I was like, okay. <laughs> and I get that. And I do think that after one day, people are like, Wah. and then yeah, they'll just exactly. And they don't give it enough time. Yes, yes to that's what I mean. We we are kind of. Yeah, throwing it all away quite quickly. Yeah, yeah, I agree. Yeah. My first boyfriend, I didn't sleep with him for three months. And thinking about that now, and that was like the longest thing in the world, like three months. And like now with my friends, I think they wouldn't not sleep with someone after three months. Like that feels like such a long period of time to make someone wait. But we, we were young. I mean, it, I felt like that was the right pace. But actually now I think back to it, it was really nice because we like got yeah. to know each other and we held hands and went on dates and it was all very PG-13. But it was actually a really good, good foundation for a relationship. Yeah. You, you, you create a, a sort of friendship, didn't you? Yeah. And then you went on to, to more things. Yeah, the only issue is I didn't really fancy him. So I then realised oh, afterwards was why I, I was able to wait three months. <laughs> and I was like, oh, I kept thinking I'll learn to fancy you. Yeah, sexual you chemistry is very important. You don't learn to fancy someone. It doesn't work like that. No, it can come in. It can. But I think, yeah. you know, the bottom line is you can have it all. I think you just need to learn the skills of how to create chemistry, how to create a relationship, how to create that friendship that you're talking about and that bond. Mm. And that is something that you can consciously create with someone and within yourself, as long as you're really clear about your vision, your standards, your values, and then you don't abandon that because you just so fancy someone or you want a quick fix or you need validation. Because I think so many people, particularly that category of women that we were talking about, you know, really abandon themselves because they are a bit desperate and time is running out or whatever. Mm. Um, so true. Yeah. I mean, you hit the nail on the head on one very important point. A lot of people go into relationships not actually knowing what they want or mm. need. So until you actually know what you want or need, how can you know whether the other person is going to be able to meet that need? Yeah. So often I say to people, you know, um, you've got to work on yourself, you know, to have good relationships. You really got to work on yourself. You need to be really clear what your boundaries are, you know, what you accept and won't accept, you know, what, what you want, what you need, your confidence as well. You know, it's really, really important. Mm-hmm. And, but a lot of people just think it's okay. I just go into relationships. No, actually, that's where your relationships can fail. So do you think you can meet yourself. the right person at like completely the wrong time? Timing is everything. 
Yeah. Uh, yes, I have. The answer to that is yes, but whether it will end up being a sort of uh, a marriage is 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 in a different thing. I, and I think timing is particularly important for women as they start to sort of think about their biological clock. But for men as well, I come across a lot of men, you know, in their early thirties who um, suddenly say, "Well, actually, I, I'm ready." But you ask them the same question at twenty-seven, and they say, oh, "I've got bags of time still." Mm. You know, there's something happens, you know, in, in men, I tend to find, I don't know whether you mm. find this, yeah. that they suddenly think, oh, I've got to get on with this. Mm. And they're quite quick. Once they made a decision that they It's want easier to, for men, isn't it? They yeah. can, like, pick and choose a lot easier, I think. Why, why, I, I, not necessarily. Yeah, but I feel like there's, well, I, I think there's more of an age thing with women, isn't there? You mean age as in women? Is it easier? Yeah, so like I think it's easier. A guy, it's easier for a single guy at thirty to find, well, like maybe thirty-five to find someone than it is for a woman. I just think like there, there's still a bit of a stigma about the cougars, isn't it? Because if you're a forty-year-old girl or lady trying to date a, or dating a thirty-year-old, people think that's a bit strange. But it's okay for a fifty-year-old to date a thirty-year-old. Yeah, so. but not even dating someone younger, just dating someone your own age. I think a guy of that age would want to date someone younger. Not necessarily. Yeah, I don't think that's true anymore. I think yeah. that may have been at one time. I don't think so. I think, again, like he was saying about this, just crossing over of culture, age, mm. race, gender, everything. It's just really... Mm. That, I think that's one of the positives, actually, of apps and online. I think that we're seeing much more mix and less kind of prejudice, people going outside um, of their smaller circles. So I quite like that about online. But I think that, yeah... Lots of the boundaries are being pushed, which is not a bad thing. Yeah. Where, where do you think things are headed? So say like the next five, ten years, how do you imagine the dating world changing? And do you think also with marriage, do you think fewer people are getting married? Or more? For sure. Yeah. Fewer people are getting married. So one of the big things in our society today is the rise of cohabitation. So a lot of people are entering into relationships but not getting married. So marriage has fallen and as a result, divorce has fallen. Uh, but cohabitation's on the rise. So it's the fastest growing family type in Britain today. Um, now what, which is, which is, you know, great, but the, often I tend to find, and I see a lot of people in cohabitation, cohabitation relationships who are not married, who think they have the same rights as married people, but sadly they don't. So I had a client who, um, came to see me. She said, Oh, I've, I was been with my other half for 30 years, you know, and we, you know, he's decided he's, he wants to leave. Um, I think he was worth about 30 million, she said. And um, I get half, don't I? Yeah. And like- I said, no. I said, you get, you get nothing because you didn't, you didn't put anything financially into this marriage, mm. uh, into this relationship, rather, cohabitation. And she was shocked. She says, but I'm a common-law wife. So it's so frightening that people are going into relationships and not realizing what they're getting themselves into. Yeah. They're assuming that they will have rights, but actually they haven't. Mm. The law is hopefully will change, you know, in the next 10 years. But at this pr- present time, they have... Amazing that you can also rights. just, like, sleepwalk through 30 years Absolutely. thinking that you've got rights yeah. when you don't. When you'd have... It's yeah. scary. Absolutely. And she's, you know, she's a 60-year-old woman. You know, w- what can she do? do you, are more people getting prenups? It's on the rise. But again, prenups are not uh, contractually binding. It's just, again, the law is starting to change there. But at this moment, um, there is given weight, but it's not contractually binding. So, yes, on, it is slightly on the rise, but it's not, um, as I said, it may not necessarily, if you break up, it may not necessarily have any, um, it may not have no relevance. Mm-hmm. It, depend, it depends on how it also pans out. Okay, what do you think about the future of, of dating and relationships? 
Yeah, I think there's two different things. I mean, I think for the older generation, kind of 35 plus, I think unfortunately we're seeing more and more single people living separately, living alone um, or cohabiting, as you say. But I think there's a, definitely a rise of single, quite lonely people, actually. Yes, I agree. Um, which is sad. I mean, it means I'm extremely busy and in demand. But <laughs> as you said earlier, you know, I'm trying to help people resolve this. Yeah. Um, I think on the other hand, for the younger generation, my son is 16 and his, him and his kind of social group interestingly lots of them talk about wanting to get married uh, return to more traditional values so i think that longer term we're going to see a trend right back to more traditional i think the bottom line is really and this is the thing i get most satisfaction from in my work is that i think all human beings want love and want connection i think they want that more than their conveyor belt of one night stands or you know whatever is on offer online i think men as well as women really do want that and i help often help women to understand that and really um, shift their beliefs around that because I think there's a misconception that men don't want commitment, men don't want deep connection and love, and they do. Men and women equally do. I think men are wired slightly differently from women, and they're more often sexually and phys- um, visually driven than women. But the thing, the main thing I help my clients to do is actually to understand how to connect with men emotionally because I think it's a really underrated thing in our society. I think that you know, everything's very visual, everything's very quick fix, short term. Um, and I think we are going to see a shift away from that slowly, particularly with the younger generation. That's my take on it. Yeah, very interesting. Well, thank you so much for chatting to us, ladies. If people would like to find out more about you and your company, where should they go? So they can come and see me at shillamack.stuart.com. And for me, it's katemansfield.com. Amazing. Thank you so thank much. You. Thank you very thank much you. for having us. And here's this week's News in Brief. On the 17th of November, Soames Kitchen Musical Brunch will include an hour-long set of current music from the identical duo The Mac Twins, famous for being the DJs on ITV2's Love Island, um, along with brunch dishes and free-flowing cocktails. Go to Soames Kitchen website to buy tickets. Also on Saturday the 17th of November, More Yoga will be running a Mo Yoga class to give the yoga curious man an opportunity to try yoga in support of Movember. Head to More Yoga to book. Classes are free and donations are welcome. And on Sunday the 18th of November, Trulo in Highbury and Islington are celebrating the best of game season's produce by holding a game feast. Dishes include mallard arancini with um, grouse ragu, roast partridge with lentils, chicken liver and green fig jam crostini. Tickets are 40 quid and you can go to Trudeau's website to snag a couple. And that was this week's News in Brief. This is the AT, the About Time podcast. So this is our review slot of the show. I like this this part of the show, actually. I like it as well. Because we get to talk about food. Um, where have you been this week? So I went to Harry's Bar, which is a new restaurant on James's Street. So you know that street that runs parallel to the back of Selfridges, which has loads of nice little places, always really busy, lots of outdoor heaters on the restaurants there. Um, it's very buzzy. It's kind of cool. Harry's Bar um, originally was a private members club, and they've opened this new place on James's Street, which is not a private members club, but it does definitely have the feel of one. It's very swanky. Um, had a, a slightly older crowd, I'd say. Um, I think because of the price point and the interiors, it has this kind of like old school, glamorous Venetian kind of feel. Um, lots of sort of like banquet tables and. Gold. Is it quite dainty? 
a sort of dainty but because it was older maybe not um Ooh, yeah okay. maybe I, I think more like really nice dinner with your parents like Ooh, that, that I know or like vibe. meeting the parents for the first time i know that vibe yeah um so it's italian food and um they've got a kind of range of stuff so like cicchetti small plates antipasti pizza pasta risotto salads and then main courses um very kind of picky if you want it to be or you can go for like a substantial like starter main dessert situation um we went for a few of the antipasti they were really good like I mean, price-wise, it's not it's not cheap. We're talking like a tenner for an antipasti. So if you imagine if you get a couple of those and then maybe you get a pizza and the pizzas are like 17, 18 quid. I don't know how, how I feel about paying 18 quid for a pizza. Yeah, I, just I kind of like, mean because it's like a cheap food. But uh, yeah, so I would actually hurry. say maybe don't, don't get the pizza. We didn't get a pizza, but um, we got the pastas and we got some antipasti. So we tried the tuna crudo, which is like raw tuna um, with a lemon dressing, avocado yogurt. Kind of unusual, quite tasty, nice quality tomatoes on it. They have um, a really good burrata, actually, with grilled yellow and red peppers and finished with parmesan because cheese on cheese is always fun. Um, they also they have this tagalini which is an antipasti portion because it's quite small but it's like unbelievably rich so you could only really have it as a starter portion um, and it's basically like tagalini pasta with like a cheese crust on it like gratinated so it's got like almost like a is bit it like of, a baked is it baked no it's fresh but I don't know they do something so it's got like a cheese crust wizardry. on it yeah exactly pasta wizardry and it's also got uh, parmesan cream and truffle it is like the richest thing like you'd probably feel a bit ill but it's mm. very delicious if you like get one and share between a couple of friends you know have a bite each I wouldn't recommend getting it to yourself but that's kind of iconic I think it will be one of those dishes that will become like massive on Instagram yeah you know I think that that's the next big one um and then other pasta wise they have a linguine verde which is like a long string pasta with courgette and cavallonera and spinach so kind of green pasta a little bit lighter with some parmesan it was really tasty but you can't I think you kind of go there for the rich stuff like I ordered the light things but most people are going for like lobster risotto which is like 30 quid or like seafood spaghetti like those kind of very rich main courses or truffled chicken basically they just love truffles it's yeah it's it's I think excessive it is a bit excessive. But I think on the good side of excessive. It's where you go if you either really want to impress someone or it's like a Christmas meal and you want to do something really special. It has a slightly special night out feel, like maybe an anniversary dinner. Definitely not an everyday kind of restaurant. Um, they also, we have for dessert, had a, uh, a profiteroles, a milk chocolate gelato inside oh, profiteroles. they sound divine. They're absolutely massive. And they've got like cho- warm chocolate sauce on them, chocolate mousse, just, just so good. So I'd recommend the profiteroles. Yeah, like if you need somewhere that's kind of special and vibey i think harry's bar is a nice shout and because it's near selfridges i imagine it'll be very popular at christmas um so where have you been in this year i went to cricket brixton you love cricket i do love cricket so originally cricket brixton they started out in pop brixton years ago and then they closed down and then went to soho and they've still got Soho. They've now got White City and they reopened Brixton in another location under the arches. So you can actually hear trains go past, like they're above you. It's quite nice. That's cool. Yeah. So um, Soho one's really nice, buzzy, vibey. White City's their biggest restaurant. Um, and with the Brixton one, they have a restaurant and then a separate bar area. And it's the only one that has a separate bar area. Mm. It's really cool in there. It's got a great vibe. Again, I would go on a date there, um, either to eat or to drink. Cause it's quite snug. It's quite cozy. You've got like rustic features. Um, 
And the drinks are phenomenal. Really? The cocktails are really good. What kind of cocktails are we talking? So they do a riff on a martini, which is called a chai teeny, and it's made with coconut milk, and it's got chocolate bitters, um, coffee liqueur, espresso, and vodka, and it's really smooth. It's it's really good. We we all, my friend got it, and we all tasted a bit, and we were like, that's really good. So then I got it the next time. Delicious. Yeah. And they have this, um, a dark matter, um, cocktail, which is spiced rum, mango, agave, pink peppercorn, and green chili. Had a bit of a bite to it, but like a gentle warming buzz. Mm. Really good. A little bit chilly. And for my last drink, I went for a daiquiri. Now, when I think of a daiquiri, I think of, you know, when you go to kind of like Tenerife and they make a frozen daiquiri and it's just syrup. Mm. Like, it's just a bit, it tastes like I'm eating, drinking like a sweet. Mm. This one was not like that at all. Yeah, so it just had rum, lime and sugar. And it was a bit tart and it was really, really good. And it wasn't fussy or it wasn't overly sweet. It was just had the right acidity and it was was bang on. Sounds delish. Yeah. And then they, along with the cocktails, they do a little bar bites menu. Um, If you've been to Brixton, if you haven't been to Brixton, or cricket in general, sorry, um, you have to get the Samphire Pakoras, which are delicious and they're served with a chili garlic mayonnaise mm. i ordered more of the mayonnaise i was okay. like mate and then so good the um Ka- carolan have i said uh carolan 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 fried chicken um with curry leaf mayonnaise outstanding I mean, they're into the fun mayonnaise aren't they? yeah i love a fun condiment um but they don't serve like the main dishes in the bar area so you have to move into the restaurant mm. it is it does get busy so if you want to move into the main you know book a table i maybe. think britain's a really good location for it as well i can imagine it yeah. being really popular there yeah it's more laid back than the than the other sites mm. Um, but I like the Brixton one. It's fun. It's playful. The food. The thing with cricket and the reason why it's worked and the reason why they've got three restaurants down in London is that the food is just consistently good. Yeah. Like, it's excellent. And it's sociable. It's a little bit of this, sharing plates. That's At price all... point, it's not, it's not ridiculous. No, it's not. I'm into it. I yeah. really want to go. Well, you've convinced me, Al. Small plates are from four quid, four or five quid. Not so bad. It's a little better than my Harry's bar, tenner a, tenner a bob. <laughs> <laughs> Amazing. Well, thank you so much for listening, lovely people. We won't be back next week because Alicia is off to Australia. Please give me any of your tips on how to deal with jet lag. And anything fun to do in Brisbane. But we'll be back in three weeks in the run-up to Christmas with lots of new fun things to be talking about. See you then. been listening to the AT. For more of the best things to do in London and beyond, visit abouttimemagazine.co.uk or follow us at About Time Mag. This has been a candy store production for About Time Magazine, hosted by Angelica Malin and Alicia Grimshaw and produced by Van Connor. Spirit Body by Ketzer appears under Creative Commons 3.0. Visit ketzermusic.com for more, with recording facilities in partnership with Jova London. Head to jovalondon.com for more information.